Okay. Thank you, everybody, really, for praying for me over the last couple of weeks. I've had a weird viral infection that uh, uh, kind of attacked my, my joint, so just ever something would lock up. It was just really, really weird. It caused a lot of pain, and on top of that, I had a sinus infection, so my nose was running, my head was hurting, all kinds of goofy things going on, but we don't let that stop us from preaching on our birthday, right? <laughs> all right. Hey, uh, <clears throat> we are continuing with our lesson series called Game Changer. Pastor Sam started last week, and we are teaching out of Matthew 5, 6, and 7, which we traditionally call the Sermon on the Mount, and we call the series Game Changer because when, you're all the way from Georgia, man, Georgia lost yesterday too, that was terrible, that was terrible. I don't care about Notre Dame. I actually like Georgia, but well, my wife's from Georgia, so I have to. I'm sorry. I just looked down there and saw this face, and I was taken back. Uh, we, we're calling this series Game Changer because when Jesus showed up, he changed the game. He changed the way things happened. He changed the way that we thought. He took everything from... Uh, a physical standpoint where everybody looked at what's going on outside and he said, what's going on on the inside? What's my heart? What's my attitude? So this morning, I'm going to be continuing on with Matthew chapter six. If you want to follow along, we're going to go through most of the chapter. If you have your Bible, your iPad, phone, whatever, you can turn to Matthew chapter six. If you don't have that, it's okay. It's going to be up on the screens. But my lesson title today is, you don't have to be dead to rest in peace. You don't have to be dead to rest in peace. Everybody has seen the cartoons or the drawings of the headstones and it always says R-I-P on the headstones. I know some of you were thinking that stands for really important person, but it stands for rest in peace. And that's kind of the way the world looks at things. One of these days we'll be dead and then we'll be resting. But do you know that God wants you to rest in this life? It goes along very much with what Jonathan was saying earlier about surrender. When we learn to surrender, we learn to operate in peace and we can rest in that peace. Back in the old days, whatever the old days may be to you, there was a farmer that bought a piece of property and it was not highly thought of piece of property. It was overgrown and this man went in and he cleaned off the, the property. He got all the, all the brush and all the bramble and got all the, the dead trees and the stumps and the rocks and all that off of that and he actually plowed up the ground and got it ready to plant crops. And there was a good amount of rain that year. And the man was just overwhelmed with uh, the quality of the crops that, that grew in his first year. And he was so excited about it, he called his pastor and asked his pastor to come and see what he had done. And the pastor came out and he saw how high the, the corn had grown and the, and the pastor went, Praise the Lord, brother. I've never seen corn grow as tall as this. Then he looked over and he saw the melons and he said, praise the Lord, brother. 
I've never seen watermelons this big and this beautiful. And it went just like that as they looked at the peas and the corns and the onions. It was, it was praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. And after a while, the old farmer had had enough. And he said, now, now wait a second, pastor. Uh, you know, I did a lot of work here. You should have seen this piece of property when God was taking care of it all by himself. And the pastor slapped him on the back and said, yeah, I know you've, you've, you've done a lot of work, good work. Now, fast forward a year, and there hadn't been quite as much rain. There, they had gone through a, a little drought, and the pastor asked the, the farmer, well, how were your crops this year? And he said, well, the Lord didn't see fit to send rain this year, so if my crops fail, I'm gonna have to blame it on him. And the pastor reminded him, last year, you wanted all the credit for the crops that grew, but this year, because there's a little bit of struggle, you're gonna throw God under the bus. You're gonna give him all the blame. And the pastor made this, made this statement. He said, if you would learn to seek the kingdom first, if you would learn to seek the kingdom, to give and to pray in the good times, when the tough times come around, because they will come around, when the tough times come around, you will not be found asking yourself, what will I eat or what will I drink? Because you know that the Lord will be adding those things to you. And that's really a good picture of what we're gonna be talking about today out of Matthew chapter six. Jesus takes the first half of the chapter and he kind of starts to, 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 to pour some ingredients in the pot. They're cooking a stew out there today. And there's a lot of stuff going in, a lot of ingredients going into the pot. Now my wife is a very good cook. She is a very good cook, but I can remember when we were first married that uh, she went to make some chicken soup. Something was left out. Some ingredient was left out. I don't know because I can't cook, but the soup came out very clear. And uh, to this day, we, we've always laughed about Lisa's famous chicken water. So we're gonna look at some ingredients that Jesus said, hey, put this in the pot. Put this in the pot. Put this in the pot. And if you put this in the pot, you're gonna be in the place that you want to be to begin to receive what you want to receive from the Lord. Because everybody wants to get down to the end of chapter six where it says that the Lord will add all these things unto you. We all want something added unto us, don't we? Yes, we do, quit lying. Don't sit out there and go, oh no, not me, I have a halo. We all want something added unto us. But we can be sure that we're in the place that the Lord wants us to be when we're putting these ingredients in the pot. Okay? All right, Matthew chapter six. We're gonna look at, real quickly here, what I call the when you statements. The when you. When you do this, when you do this, and when you do this. Jesus said it three times. He, he takes three things real quickly. And you know, Jesus was always speaking with purpose, right? 
Jesus didn't just throw stuff here and throw stuff there. He was always starting with a purpose. If you look at the Sermon on the Mount, it starts in five, I believe it really goes up in crescendos in six, and then he's bringing it back down in chapter seven. It's all one message. And here in chapter six, everything that Jesus is talking about at the beginning goes into what he's talking about at the end when we get to the place where we want things added unto us. So let's look at these. Matthew 6, verse 3. First one, when you give. We'll just stop for a minute. Let that one seek in. When you give. Notice, as we read these three, these three verses, Jesus never says, if you. He says, when you. When you give. So this is what I want you to see. When you give, it's all about your heart for the kingdom. It's all about your heart for the kingdom. Now, I'm not gonna spend a lot of time teaching about giving. If you wanna hear an excellent sermon series on giving and tithing and money management, just go a couple of months back to the series that we did called All This Church Wants Is My Money. You go back there, you can hear that on our website, ncctyler.org, or you can find it on the Apple iTunes store. It, it's, it's good stuff. I'm not gonna spend a lot of time teaching about giving this morning, but I just wanna run through a few things. Giving is an act of worship. Giving is an act of worship. We do it to please God. There, were, there will always be people that want to tell you that the ultimate reason to give is to get. And there are people that will even preach that. You give to get, but that's taking it out of order. There is a place of giving with an expectation of receiving from the Lord, but if we take it out of order, we're putting our wants, our needs, our purposes first. So in everything that we do, we start with worship. We begin with worship. So when I'm giving, whether I'm giving money or I'm giving time or I'm giving talent, it starts with worship. For those of you that are serving this morning, we have a wonderful team that comes together every Sunday morning. There's 30 to 40 people that serve every Sunday morning. Yes, that's right. And I want you to know that the heart is not just to say, hey, look at me, I'm serving. It's all about worship. Because everything that we're doing is sowing into the kingdom. We want kingdom results. If we're just giving to get, we're just gonna get temporary results. But we wanna have kingdom results. So giving is an act of worship. Giving connects me to kingdom purpose. It helps me see beyond my own needs. Giving encourages me to rely on God for my needs. Did you ever think about that? One of the reasons that the Lord asks us to give, because he knows that in this worldly system, we are always tied to money. And the more that our heart is tied to money, the harder it really is 
to find kingdom purpose. God doesn't need your money. I'm telling you right now, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He created all the gold, all the diamond, all the silver, all the precious metals that, that, are, that are in this world. He doesn't need your money. He wants your heart. He wants your heart. So he gives us an opportunity to give in a place that's usually the hardest for us to do because it does not make sense to me. How can I live better off of 90% than 100%? It's a godly principle though. Let me throw one, one more out there. The beginning of this year, Lisa, Lisa and I, most of you know that, that we spent a time outside of the church system for about five years after we had been excused from a church. We were outside of a church and we'd really gotten out of the habit of, of giving. And when we came back into the church, I knew the Lord was, was speaking to our heart. And it, it, it was hard to do at first. We were sporadic with it at first. But after a while, it just became a part of who we were. Something that we did. Not like paying a bill, we've always prayed over it, we've always looked at it as an act of worship, but it became easy to do. Now the beginning of this year, the Lord said something to me. And I'm gonna read it to you. He said, if your giving is easy or convenient, you're not giving enough. If it's become almost something that I just do, and it doesn't challenge my faith, God is a God of faith, right? right. If it doesn't challenge my faith, I need to kick it up some. Because I wanna be more connected to kingdom purpose. This is not not meant to bring any any condemnation on on anybody or anything like that. And let me just say this. If you're sitting here and you're thinking, man, they're always talking about money. Uh, They just wanna get my money. Give it somewhere else. I'm serious. Give it somewhere else. I just want you to be connected with God. If you don't think that you can give it here because you think that we want your money, give it somewhere else. Get connected with God. And then when you get your heart straight, then God will say, give it here. But <laughs> this is good soil. This is really good soil. I want you to understand that every dollar that comes into this house, that the first 10% off of that is tithe. This church tithes. Did you know that? This church does not just collect your money and pay the light bills. This church, before any, any salaries are paid, before anything else happens, this church ties. So every dollar you give, the first 10% goes into missions, goes into supporting orphanages, goes into supporting ministries around Tyler, the, the homeless, unwed moms, abused women. Here in Tyler, this is good soil. I promise you, you give here, it's gonna be used for the kingdom. Giving helps me relate to other people's needs. Helps me get involved in other people's needs. It helps me get my eyes off of me. We don't like to call ourselves selfish, but we are selfish. Selfish just means I'm self-centered. I think about me first. 
Now, I have done it, so I'm not going to to point any fingers at anybody out here. There has been times when you heard about a need, and my first thought was, well, I can't give because I need. That's not kingdom thinking. When I start to hear those little whispers like there, you know what I do? I'd add an extra dollar. I'd say I'd put an extra zero on it, but I'm not that rich. But... (laughs) I was going to give five, now you get six. But I don't let the enemy talk me out of being blessed. And last of all, here we get there, giving attaches me to God's rewards. A lot of people try to make that first. But it's really what comes last. When I've connected with God, when I've connected with others, when I've worshiped, this connects me to God's rewards. Give and it shall be given. That is a spiritual, spiritual uh, formula. Give and it shall be given. Matthew 6, 4 says, so that your giving will be in secret and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Let me tell you a quick story. Uh, In the year 2000, I started a media company. Kill that bug in Jesus' name. In the year 2000, I started a media company and the, my, my business partner and I, we, we pooled some money together and, and we started this company and we thought all we have to do is throw open the doors and people will run to us and it did not work that way. Within just a few months, we were on the verge of, of shutting the doors. And there was a time when he and I were, were looking at each other and we had just a little over $400 in, in, our, in our checking account. And we had paid salaries the week before, but we didn't have enough to pay salaries this week. So we looked at each other and it's like, well, you could have 200 and I could have 200 and then we can just close the doors. But something kind of rose up on the inside of me and I said, I don't want to go broke clinging and scratching and holding on to things. If I'm going to go broke, I'm going to go giving. I'm going to give myself broke. Let's put it that way. So he and I decided that instead of splitting that $400, that we'd give it. We were gonna give it to a ministry. Called up a ministry that we we were uh, uh, acquainted with, called the man in, wrote him a $400 check, he prayed over us and he left. And then we were left staring at each other with no money in the bank now. (laughs) But two weeks later, we got our first real job. It paid us about five times what we, what we had given away. Then just a little less than a year later, we were doing a business expo and I had taken a still from that project and, and, and framed it and, and we, we, we set up this booth and this, this little lady came walking through the business expo and she's just looking at things. I'm not paying a whole lot of attention to her because if you've ever done one of these business, business expos, what happens is the retirement homes put all their people in a van and they bring them over and let them wander through and get your candy and pins and things like that. I just thought that's who she was. But she stops and she starts looking. And she's looking at that still. And she looks over at me and she goes, I want that. I thought she was asking me for the picture. 
I said, you want that? She goes, you see the emotion that you grabbed right there? I want that. I'm like, okay. And she wound up being the marketing director for a nonprofit here in town. And we got a huge project out of it. So within a year's time, God had given us back almost 40 times what we had sown. There is something about giving when you're doing it with the heart of worship that gets God involved on your behalf. I believe if we had not given that $400, our business would have shut down then. But the truth is, it's still going. It's running fine without me too. (laughs) Daniel says amen too, right? All right, let's move on. Matthew 6, verse 5. When you pray, when you pray, it's all about your heart for the kingdom. You're going to see a pattern here. When you pray, it's an act of worship. Let's look at the scripture here. This this portion of the scripture is what we call the Lord's Prayer. Jesus giving a pattern of how to pray. When we pray, it's an act of worship. It says, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Now, I know that there are times when we're in desperate need and we just run to God and go, God, I need, 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 I need God. And he loves us and he understands those moments of great turmoil and stress. But in our daily life, we should be building a time of prayer with the Lord and it begins with worship. Go before him with thanksgiving and praise. Prayer connects me to kingdom purpose. Verse 10, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Prayer encourages me to rely on God for my daily needs. Verse 11, give us this day our daily bread. And I like the fact that he said daily bread because that means daily I get to depend on him. We would love for him to build big storehouses for us, right? Just let me empty that first, then I'll come back and rely on you. But he's saying daily, daily depend on me, daily depend on me. When we pray, it helps me to relate to other people's needs. Verse 12, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. It helps me get my eyes off of me. Helps me get my eyes off of myself. And understand that there are people that need as well as I need. And prayer attaches me to God's rewards. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. That's a reward. That is a reward. All right, moving on, because I'm going to try to move a little bit fast here so we can get to the end of this. Matthew 6, 17. Here's the next win. Whenever you fast. When you fast, it's all about your heart for the kingdom. Anybody catching the pattern yet? Now, I know fasting has become almost non-existent in our Christian world. Why would that be? Same reason giving and prayer is not as popular as it used to be. 
we tend to be selfish creatures. We don't like to do without. Now, Jesus was talking about fasting. The word fast, it really means to abstain. Abstain from what? Well, traditionally, food. Maybe a meal. Maybe a day of food. But in our society, there's times when I fast the TV. I know people who have fasted social media. I don't care about Facebook that much. That would be like me fasting Brussels sprouts. I don't like them anyway. But the whole heart of it is to set something aside so I can connect with God. Make a time, make a plan. I'm not going to eat lunch this week and I'm gonna spend time with God. I'm not gonna watch TV this week. I'm not gonna do whatever it is that the Lord lays on your heart this week, this month, however long. I knew somebody that, that fasted Facebook for a year. But you do it, first of all, as an act of worship. Setting aside what I want to seek him. Fasting connects me to kingdom purpose. It helps me see and hear more clearly. If you're having trouble hearing from God, fast. You're having trouble with some direction, fast. Set some time aside and get with God. Fasting encourages me to rely on God for my needs. Because you know what? I don't even have the willpower to do it most of the time. I need help even there. I don't like to do without food. I don't like to do without TV. I don't like to do without whatever it is that I'm gonna do without. But I can take it to the Lord, and Lord, I need your ability in me. Rely on you more. Fasting helps me relate to other people's needs. And we don't have this scripture, but in Isaiah 58, the Lord says, hey, this is the fast that I like. It's not just fasting so you can get. It's not just fasting because it's, it's a festival or... It's fasting so other people can be ministered to when you fast give to the homeless. When you fast, bring, bring people into your house. When you fast, set people free. And last of all, fasting attaches me to God's rewards. His presence is the greatest reward. Amen. In Matthew six eighteen, says, so that your fasting will not be noticed by men, but that your father who is in secret and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Now, we all want the reward, don't we? Amen. Reward is good. There's nothing wrong with reward. But let's be sure that we're putting things in the right order at the right time for the right purpose. And Jesus even said that there are certain victories that will only come through prayer and fasting. So that's just the way that it goes. So those are the ingredients that we are throwing into the pot here. And Jesus is really asking us one great big question. 
Are we self-focused or are we kingdom-focused? Matthew 6, 19 says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. In other words, don't build storehouses for your rewards. I know that's the American dream, bigger, better, own, get, have. But God is saying, don't build these storehouses for, for your rewards. Put your rewards in heaven. Verse 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Is your treasure on earth or is your treasure in heaven? Are we self-focused or are we kingdom-focused? Jesus talked about giving prayer and fasting to help us see the answer. It's really like a mirror. I just went through all of that first part where you're sitting out there going, okay, get to the point, get to the point, get to the point. The point is we can see how kingdom-focused we are when we look at how's our giving, how's our prayer life, how's our fasting. But the good thing is that if we're lacking, man, God loves us, doesn't he? Yes, he loves us. Verse 24, so no man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. You can't serve God and wealth. Jesus was a little more straightforward in Luke 16, 11, where he says, therefore, if you've not been faithful in the use of unrighteous wealth, who will trust you with true riches? But the thing is, we need to understand is that wealth, the word wealth in Matthew and Luke is mammon. The word mammon, if you're, if you're using the King James Bible, you may see that word still in the scripture there. It's mammon, and that word literally means something that you rely on. Something that is trusted. Ultimately, mammon is an attitude of self-sufficiency. So if you're one of these self-made guys, if you have pulled yourself up by your bootstraps, if you're the farmer that cleaned off the the property and grew all these crops, you're self-sufficient and you're not serving God, you're serving mammon. That coming across? I thought this was supposed to be a party day. So let's ask ourselves these questions. Does who we worship connect us to the kingdom purpose or does it drive us to get more and more? Does who we worship encourage us to rely on God or does it feed us the light if I only had more blank, more money, more time, more talent, then I would give Does what we worship help us relate to people's needs or does it give us a better than attitude? Does what we worship attach us to God's rewards or to earthly treasure? So we need to understand that that at the core, mammon is a religious spirit that causes us to elevate our needs and our wants above God's and it refuses him his rightful place as our supplier, 
as our need meter and instead we become our own supplier. So I'm gonna finish up with this. Matthew 6, 24. No one can serve two masters for either you will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life. Do not be worried about your life. That word worry translated out in the Greek can be divided. It means to be divided and to be distracted. So when he says in verse 31, do not worry, he's saying, don't be anxious, don't be divided, don't be distracted by the things that you need to live this life. For that's what the Gentiles, those who are without God, that's what they eagerly seek. That's what they're anxious about. That's what they're divided about. That's what they're distracted with. But your heavenly father knows that you need these things. Do you believe that? Say, so we, 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 we say that. I believe, I believe. But if we really believe that God knows that we need these things, let's be kingdom focused. Let's be kingdom focused. Old preacher I used to work with says, you can't beat God given. You can't beat God given. No matter what you're given, whether you're you're given tithe, time, or talent, you can't beat God giving. But seek first. Here we get to the end of it. Seek first. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these things. What are these things? Anything you need for kingdom living will be added to you. Therefore, we can rest in peace knowing that God is in control. Told you, you didn't have to be dead to rest in peace. We can rest knowing that he's in control and that he is a better planner and provider than we will ever, ever be. Would you bow your heads with me?